This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. Ah, welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Hey, uh, get on up to the website. Albert, the intern, has uh, posted some great stories on our slide carousel. That's richardserrett.com. And there you'll find this amazing story. A leading American climate scientist has said he felt scared, quote, end quote, when a shadowy organization claiming to represent the CIA asked him about the possibility of a weaponized, or rather, about the possibility of weaponized weather. Professor Alan Robach received a call three years ago from two men wanting to know if experts would be able to spot a hostile force's attempts to upset the U.S. climate. But he suspected the real intention was to find out how feasible it might be to secretly interfere with the climate of another country. Wow. You can read the entire article. It's entitled The CIA, Weather Warfare and Climate Terrorism by Jim Lee. And that's in the slide carousel, uh, once again, at richardserrett.com. At the bottom of the hour, you'll have a chance to win a pair of tickets to my special live event, Follow the Truth 2 coming to Oshawa's beautiful Region Theatre on Sunday, April the 26th, and we've lined up some truly remarkable speakers, and you can read all about them by visiting followthetruth.tv. And we're working on adding a couple of special guests as well. Uh, Thus far, we have seven speakers to present, uh, including The Shroud of Turn. We've got an exact replica on display, The Zapruder Film, Spirit communication, electronic harassment, remote viewing, UFOs, the lost tribes of Israel. I'm very uh, excited about this one. This is fascinating information. Uh, I'm really looking forward uh, to presenting these amazing researchers, authors, and I hope you'll join me. Call the box office this week and order your tickets, 905-721-3399. That's the Regent Theatre in Oshawa, Sunday, April the 26th. Follow the truth, too. And again, the number 905-721-3399. Okay, let's uh, get to the main entree. 
I was reading recently about a, a Swedish underground military facility on an island near Stockholm. It's called Moscow. It's a large naval base built underneath a mountain. Just to give you a sense of how large this underground base is, the hospital alone within the facility holds over holds over 1,000 beds. And Moscow engineers blasted out 1.5 million cubic meters of stone in order to build it. And they began construction of the base around 1950. It was completed 19 years later, 1969. Again, during the construction, about 1.5 million tons of rock were removed. The Moscow base had three docks originally designed for destroyers and submarines. And it's connected by 20 kilometers of underground roads. There's a three-kilometer-long, dangerously narrow road tunnel uh, running some 70 meters under the sea level, connecting the mainland and Moscow Island. And during the Cold War, the underground facility was kept highly secret. Not much information about it was known to the public for many years. Then in 2004, the Swedish government decided the Navy should be concentrated to two bases only. And much of the Moscow base was closed. And today, some parts of the facility are still used by the military. So having read that about Moscow, I think it would be very naive to believe that there aren't similar secret underground bases here in North America, perhaps bases that are far deeper under our feet, far more expansive than we can imagine. Perhaps these underground bases are connected with complex systems of secret tunnels crisscrossing North America, and within those tunnels, high-speed maglev trains. If this all seems too fantastic, consider this. In 1987, the Deputy Director of Engineering and Construction for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers gave a speech at an engineering conference entitled Underground Facilities for Defense, Experience and Lessons. In the first paragraph of his speech, he states the following. After World War II, political and economic factors changed the underground construction picture and caused a renewed interest to think underground. As a result of this interest, the Corps of Engineers became involved in the design and construction of some very complex and interesting military projects. Although the conference program indicates the topic to be underground facilities for defense, experience, and lessons, I must deviate a little because several of the most interesting facilities that have been designed and constructed by the Corps are classified. He then went on into a discussion of the Corps' involvement in the 1960s in the construction of the large and elaborate NORAD base buried deep beneath Cheyenne Mountain in Colorado. This is just a public statement, but you'll not find a more significant public admission of secret underground bases than this one. People speaking is not the only evidence available. There are actual documents obtained by researchers through the Freedom of Information Act that shed more light on the subject and clearly outline plans for the construction of underground facilities. These are documents available which expose a deep underground command center that was to be built far below such uh, or sorry far below areas such as Washington DC and China Lake. California uh, China Lake, California, during the Cold War. Documents available show that in 1964, the military was considering building a huge underground cavity 4,000 feet deep beneath China Lake. It's well known the United States and the Soviet Union created a vast infrastructure to support a complex of offensive and defensive weapons during the Cold War. This infrastructure include, included sites and facilities for developing testing, storing, and manufacturing weapons. There was also 
a host. Oops, sorry, my computer just went blinko there for a second. Let me see if we can get that up and running while we're live and on the air. Sorry about that. Uh, in, any, in any event, um, there's probably very few people who know more about said underground bases, rumors, myths, legends of underground bases, and perhaps the reality of underground bases. Richard Sauter is the author of Hidden in Plain Sight, Beyond the X-Files, which is about secret underground bases. He's experienced first-hand contact, first-hand contact with a variety of paranormal phenomena, convincing him that there is much more going on than what we are being told. How far down do these bases go? What leaks are coming from the classified world? What has the U.S. Navy planned for beneath the ocean floor? Are there bases beneath the ocean floor? What's going on beneath Washington, D.C.? Are there, as I mentioned earlier, high-speed underground maglev systems? What is the connection with UFOs and the alien question? Hidden in Plain Sight, Beyond the X-Files, is a book that truly goes where no other book has gone before. It's a must-read for any and all who are seeking to understand the full magnitude of the matrix-like reality of our civilization. Using a combination of archival research, on-the-scene investigation, and first-hand interviews, Richard Sauter takes the reader into a world that is under the ground and under the ocean. It's a world that we are exposed, or that, that we are supposed to think is impossible. And yet, after reviewing his evidence, it seems all too likely. Richard Sauter, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Thank you, Richard. Uh, I'm glad to be here. I'm, I'm doing better than I was a couple of years ago. Thank you. Well, that's uh, uh, interesting. How do you mean you're doing better than you were a few years ago? What has happened uh, in the last couple of years to you? Well, I, I, was, I was almost killed a couple of years ago, and, and I spent several months in the, in the public hospital system here in Ecuador. And I want to thank the um, public hospitals for giving me a space to recuperate for a few months. Initially, I couldn't even stand up. I couldn't take one step without falling over. I basically lost most of the function of my legs, especially below the knees. But I slowly rebounded and recuperated. Some people think there may have been alphabet soup, American alphabet soup involvement behind the scenes. And what happened to me, I couldn't tell you that that is the case. In any event, um, I was assaulted and nearly killed. Uh, I survived the attack. I'm still recuperating a little more than two years later. And so it's my pleasure to spend an hour talking with you. Uh, now, if we connect the dots a little bit, is it because of the information that you've divulged regarding secret underground bases? Is that the reason perhaps there was an attempt on your life? I don't know. I couldn't say. Um, I'm also an anti-nuclear activist and have been for many years. Um, I've spent time incarcerated in the United States for my nonviolent anti-nuclear uh, peaceful protests. I'm also a blogger uh, and have been blogging for uh, ever since I've been in Ecuador, which is four and one half years. So I, you know, whatever I might say about the motive behind the attack on me would be speculation. What I can tell you is that I was very nearly killed. It was a close call, and uh, I barely survived. 
It's two years later. I am still recuperating. And so I'm very happy to be speaking with you this evening. What you have said about underground bases is all true. Uh, there's no question that these facilities exist. There are many of them, and not only in the United States. They are underground, and as I have been told, and as my research indicates, also undersea. They can be quite elaborate, quite deep, quite large, and quite technologically sophisticated. People really need to wrap their heads around the fact that they have been massively lied to and the world is seriously different than we have been told. Well, uh, you know, if, if we've learned nothing from Edward Snowden, uh, who shed a great deal of light on this black budget world and the idea that, you know, there is a, we're living in a world full of these special access programs and they have siphoned off uh, trillions of dollars every year, trillions every year to, to uh, uh, conduct these black op programs. And, and how much of that money has been funneled into these underground bases, do you suspect? Well, you can't put a dollar figure on it, you see, because it's compartmentalized. But I would say a, a great deal has been lavished on underground bases and tunnels and undersea facilities. And also my research from time to time in my research, I, I got indications that probably this business of tunneling and building secret under, shall we, shall we say, subsurface facilities may well extend to the moon and possibly to Mars and other bodies. Wow. Underground, underground bases uh, on the moon. Yes. Well, I, you know, in my first book, uh, and by the way, all of my books are linked to from my blog site, which is linked to from, from your website, I believe. That's correct. But, but so you can get all, all three of my books that are currently in print. But in my first book, um, Underground Bases and Tunnels, What is the Government Trying to Hide? I gave, towards the end of that short book, which was my first cut at this subject matter, uh, a little bit of documentation from one of the documents I obtained, I believe, from Jacobs Associates Engineering Firm, which is – Jacobs has been involved in, in underground excavating uh, – excavations and construction for a variety of – of American government agencies, military. Richard, let me just uh, jump in here. Excuse me, Richard. We'll, we'll, um, we're running up against a break here. Uh, sit tight. We'll come back on the okay. other side and, and discuss this. Richard Sauter joining us live from Ecuador. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show as we discuss secret underground bases. Don't go away. Welcome back. Richard Sauter, Ph.D., is with us, and his new book is entitled Hidden in Plain Sight Beyond the X-Files, and we've hooked up to uh, Richard's uh, a blog spot. If you go to uh, richardsarrett.com, click on Richard Sauter's name, it'll take you to eventhorizonchronicle.blogspot.com, and uh, there you'll see, in addition to his blog posts, a uh, number of his books, including the new one, Hidden in Plain Sight, also underwater and underground bases, and underground bases and tunnel. What is the government trying to hide? Now, in, in addition to uh, you know documents 
from, uh, you know, secured through the through FOIA. I mean, you've had uh, encounters with uh, individuals. For example, I understand that you were you were giving a, a public talk a number of years ago, and I believe this was you, Richard. Correct me if I'm wrong, but were you not approached by a man who had been a uniformed member? Of the United States Navy, who who worked at China Lake and a, and a, and a, and the underground facility there. Well, I I want to get back to the anecdote first of all that I was mentioning before the break, and that is in one of the documents oh, yes, yes, yes. that I found in my research, there was an allusion to transporting uh, a so-called subsaline tunneling machine to the moon to make subsurface tunnels on the moon, and that was circa the nineteen. 19- 70s, something like that. So it did not, the document did not say how the subsaline machine, nuclear powered by the way, would be taken to the moon. Um, my guess is it would perhaps be taken by some of these heavy lift black triangles because I don't believe that using chemical rockets is a feasible way to transport pieces of machinery that are hundreds of feet long and weigh you know, hundreds of tons to the moon. I strongly suspect this heavy lift, anti-grav black triangle technology is in use uh, by the compartmentalized programs in the American uh, military industrial complex and has been for some time. Now, getting back to your, uh, the rest of your question about talking with people Uh, uniform members of the Navy, I have talked to a lot of individuals uh, from a variety of uh, backgrounds, both military and non-military, hard science and non-science, right across the spectrum. So um, without being too specific, because one of the conditions that a lot of people have for speaking with me is that I not out them. The, the reason being that um, uh, the penalties for breaking security oaths in the United States military-industrial espionage complex can be quite severe. Oh, yeah. These people play uh, for keeps. <laughs> no question. Oh, they play – Richard, they play for keeps. By keeps meaning um, they will take you out. They will do unspeakable things maybe to your family, uh, taking away your – your lifelong pension is the least of what they can and will do. They kill people. As one of my uh, – there's one man I knew for years who worked for United States Air Force Intelligence. And I talked with him uh, about many things over the years. Uh, and w- one day we were talking and I asked him if he had ever been approached by the CIA to work for them. And he said, oh, yes. And I said, well, what did you tell them? And he said, well, of course, I turned them down. And I said, why? And he said, well, Richard, the CIA even kills their own. So why would I want to work for them? And, and that's true. You know, there's no honor among thieves. And when you're talking about the American intelligence agencies, especially, but not only the CIA, um, they are – vicious, equal opportunity assassins, and they will just as gladly stab one of their own operators in the back as they will blow out the brains of someone else. So when you're you're dealing with these compartmentalized programs, 
if you're in, you're in, and you never get out. What my perception is, is that a fair number of people who get involved in these projects find out uh, the deep wickedness that is often involved, stealing money by the millions and the billions and the trillions is one aspect of it. Uh, another aspect of it is, as I just alluded to, they kill people. And it's, it's, it's just nasty. What can I say? Well, and I believe... To what end, though? Believe, to what end are these well, to, bases being to the constructed? End of control. Control. All right, but... Control well, of the earth. Control of the earth. Uh, everything above the earth, everything on the earth, everything below the earth. These are incredible control freaks. And yes, I have talked to people who've been in the bases, who've worked in them, who've helped construct them. I've talked to people who, who, who know about them uh, just from a lot of different perspectives. For example, you mentioned Navy personnel, and I've talked to a fair number of people in the United States Navy over the last 20 years, and I am very satisfied that there are undersea bases, manned undersea bases, and also that there are submarine bases, I mean bases that accommodate large military submarines on both coasts of North America with access tunnels that come in from undersea. And you have to understand these large military submarines are, um, my God, they're five, 600 feet long, which is on the order of up to 200 meters long or 200 yards long. They're they're enormous, and the the height of them, they can be 100 feet or more from the bottom of the hull to the top of the conning tower. So we're talking about 30 meters or more from the bottom of the hull to the top of the conning tower. So they're, they're massive ocean-going vessels, and so you can imagine the advances that have been made in marine engineering to create tunnels under sea that can accommodate vessels of this size and then airlocks that are that massive that these submarines can go into undersea and then either travel into bases that would be built down in the solid rock in the seafloor deep beneath the surface of the sea or when they could enter tunnels and then travel through the tunnels and come into underground bases or dry docks that would be inland in coastal areas, but inland. And this technology uh, has been under uh, research and design since at least the 1960s, which is 50 years ago, a half a century ago. So we're talking about uh, projects that are well advanced. The technology is just mind-bending. And I recently did an interview on the radio where the host actually was um, an ex-member um, of the United States Navy. And I got to talking about the Alltech facility in the Bahamas on Andros Island. This is off the southeast coast of Florida mm-hmm. uh, in the northern Caribbean Sea region. And that has been on Andros Island, a United States Navy base for over 
half a century, going back, I believe, to the 1950s. Um, he said, my research was pointing that direction, but I had no corroboration. But he corroborated for me that, in fact, there is an underground submarine base there, and the submarines come in through underwater tunnels, and then there's like a, a dry dock area where they can uh, berth, tie up at the dock for repairs. And my research indicates that this type of base has been planned for by the United States Navy since the 1960s. I have documentation from the Navy. And pardon me, I took a drink of water. And also from the Stanford uh, Research Institute in California, both from the mid-1960s to late-1960s, calling for the construction of these major manned undersea bases, which could even be either along the coastline of North America, for example, or any other large land mass, or could be accessed from islands anywhere in the world, such as the Bahamas or Bermuda, as one, another example, or Diego Garcia in the middle of the Indian Ocean. There are many examples you see. Let's see, England is an island also, isn't it? Yes, um, indeed. Or, or, or they could be accessed uh, in a deep sea environment. The way that would happen, as per the documentation I obtained, openly, it wasn't classified, is that um, using petroleum industry technology, they would use great big bores and bore huge cylindrical holes in the ocean floor, right in the bedrock. They could be 8, 10, 15, 20 feet in diameter. And say you, you drill a, a perfect hole 100 feet deep, and then you insert a huge stainless steel cylinder in that hole and cement it into place with fast uh, solidifying underwater cement. Then you have um, an airlock on the end of that tube and use that airlock to evacuate the water from the tube and then you pump in a breathable atmosphere. And then you see using submarines, you send down crews, highly trained tunneling crews, and you put them through that airlock along with drilling equipment, and they go to work there undersea and then tunnel out from that initial borehole, and then submarines can come, and with their airlocks, they can lock on to that airlock on that, on that tube, and that's the means of access. And then as you go uh, and burrow further, you can make an entire undersea labyrinth in the bedrock beneath the sea. Do you see how that's done? Uh, well, as best I can wrap my head around an undertaking like that. So we, they are tunneling under the ocean. But again, I, get, uh, I mean, who is doing this? Are we talking primarily, is this a, a globalist regime that's in charge of this? Or is this uh... I suspect, I suspect. Um, I'll, I'll tell you that when I was researching my last book, I was contacted by a man who told me of a facility he knew, knew of from his work that was being constructed in the Gulf of Mexico. He told me by Parsons, which is one of the major civil engineering companies in the United States. And um, so there's an example of a corporate facility. He didn't know the purpose of it, but he worked in an industry that provides equipment that is only used in deep underground 
mining context so that when he was told by this company that they needed this equipment that his that he uniquely provided for for use in a facility in the Gulf of Mexico he knew instantly it had to be an undersea facility actually burrowed down in the bedrock what's being stored down there all kinds of things from the documentation that I have seen uh, in the planning documents, um, there were three things that popped up. Nuclear missiles, nuclear bases, uh, submarine bases for the submarines to come and go and for the crews to just stay, you know. Instead of patrolling for half a year at a time, it would be more comfortable to go in a place where you could play ping pong and lift weights and uh, et cetera, have a library and on and on. Um, and with normal kitchens. Another thing is uh, scientific uh, facilities for studying ge geology and geophysics and also mining. You know, if you had your own private uranium mine or gold mine or platinum mine, well, just think of it. You could make billions of dollars and uh, it would be all yours. So there's there's plenty of incentive Right there, from, what if, from mining sure. alone. What about uh, underground facilities or under-ocean facilities uh, that would be used to house individuals in the event of some cataclysmic event? And I'm, when I say individuals, I mean we're talking about the elites here, this breakaway civilization, yeah, for example. Yeah, I believe, I, believe I, I believe that's probably going on. But because you're dealing with very tightly compartmentalized projects – I doubt you will find any documentation on the public record. I looked, and I didn't see any. I don't think you will find it. The other thing is secret prisons. You know, uh, Richard, a lot of people disappear on this world every year. Thousands and thousands of people disappear. I presume some of them, for whatever reason, are being held in secret prisons. All right, Richard, uh, I've got under it. Okay, I have to jump in here. We'll take another time out. Back with Richard Sauter, Ph.D., author of Hidden in Plain Sight Beyond the X-Files, as we discuss secret underground and under-ocean bases right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Uh, we'll get back to our conversation with Richard Sauter, Ph.D., author of Hidden in Plain Sight Beyond the X-Files, uh, in just a moment as we discuss underground bases, secret underground, under-ocean uh, of basis. Uh, however, it is uh, that time where we um, offer you an opportunity uh, to win a pair of tickets to my Follow the Truth conference, Follow the Truth 2, happening in Oshawa, Regent Theatre, Sunday, April the 26th. Uh, and speaking of which, before the top of the hour, uh, we'll spend just a few moments with uh, Canada's Edgar Casey, remote viewer uh, Dr. Douglas James uh, Cottrell, uh, who will tell us just a little bit about his appearance at the conference and also an upcoming appearance he has in Toronto uh, in just a few days. But first, the question, and we will take the seventh caller, Tim Spreen standing by in the other studio, ready to take the seventh caller with the correct answer. And the question is, what is the name of the speaker who will be giving a presentation at Follow the Truth uh, called The Lost and Found Tribes of Israel? The Lost and Found Tribes of Israel, the name of that speaker, who will be speaking at uh, Follow the Truth Sunday, April the 26th. And again, we will take the seventh correct caller at 416-360-0740. 416 360 
1-866-740-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Once again, the name of the speaker at Follow the Truth, who will be giving a presentation called The Lost and Found Tribes of Israel. All right, uh, back to uh, Richard Sauter. Now, the um, I've been reading a lot also about this uh, this China Lake uh, installation or underground installation, and uh, you have been in contact with individuals that have told you about that. I've heard that this is somewhere on the order of 4,000 feet below the surface. I mean, are there any clues, any, um, any hints uh, above ground as to what lies beneath? Not necessarily. Sometimes there are, and sometimes there are not. Uh, these facilities can be cleverly disguised. They can be accessed from tunnels that originate miles away from where the facility proper uh, may, be, may be sited were situated. So uh, sometimes, yes, there will be infrastructure above ground that you can see and you will say, aha, there's something here below the ground. In other cases, no, there wouldn't necessarily have to be any surface indication. So uh, there may or may not be. And what I can tell you is that uh, even already in the documents I saw from the 50s and 60s in the in the past century, there was discussion as to how to camouflage these types of facil- clandestine facilities. And I believe the technology for concealing these things is probably considerably advanced these days. Uh, they can be anywhere, beneath a, a large city, beneath a small town, in a desert isolated area. They can be beneath mountains, beneath the sea, beneath a marsh. What you see above ground or on the surface, uh, you may perceive the surface as being very uninviting, but you see that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with what is going on 5,000 feet down or 10,000 feet down or 13,000 feet down. Early on, In my research, uh, I didn't have a good idea as to how deep these things can be. And now I understand that they can be very deep indeed. As one expert put it to me in in one of my many conversations uh, with a variety of people over 20 years, I asked him, how deep can these underground facilities be? And he said, well, you know, the state of the art is is a mile underground and today that is that that is a comparative a child's play to go one mile underground and those were his words so i would say conservatively one mile underground and and what is the lower limit is it two miles three miles five miles i can't tell you you see that's compartmentalized classified information what i can tell you is based on the documentation I have found and on conversations with people who know, I can very comfortably say, comfortably say that to go and build a facility one mile down or one mile beneath the sea, uh, that is state-of-the-art for marine engineering technology and for civil engineering technology in our time. 
I'm thinking about uh, Area 51 or, or Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Um, well, let's talk about Area 51. And, and uh, you know, we've heard about S-4 and different and various levels and, and, and uh, compartments within, uh, you know, Groom Lake. What, what do we know about the possibility of a, a, an underground base there? Oh, yes. Well, you have to understand 90% of Nevada is under control of a variety of, of um, United States government agencies, both military and non-military. My research would suggest that the, the surface ownership of the land doesn't have too much to do with what's occurring underground. Uh, everything that I have seen indicates to me that uh, there's quite a lot underground in Nevada and that um, let your imagination run. That's all I can say. All right, Richard, we'll uh, take one final time out, come back, and uh, hold on to you for a few moments later. But we have to ask the big Lollapalooza, and that is about your firsthand contact with a, with a variety of paranormal phenomena. Uh, and what is the connection between UFOs and ETs and these underground bases? Richard Sauter, Ph.D., author of Hidden in Plain Sight, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Congratulations to Mary Olick of Toronto, who won herself a pair of tickets to Follow the Truth, April 26th at the Regent Theatre in Oshawa. And for more information, followthetruth.tv and to order your tickets, 905-721-3399. Dr. Uh, Douglas Cottrell standing by, Canada's Edgar Casey, uh, just before the top of the hour, just for a quick uh, uh, chat to talk about his upcoming event in Toronto in uh, March and also his appearance at Follow the Truth. Uh, Richard Sauter, PhD, the author of Hidden in Plain Sight, Beyond the X-Files, talking about a secret underground basis. Uh, Got to ask you about um, your own uh, personal experience with what you describe as a variety of paranormal phenomena. Uh, with relation to these bases, Richard? Yes, well, not only with relation to the bases, but to everything on this, on this planet and beyond. And actually, that would be quite an extensive conversation that is not well-suited to commercial radio with its uh, commercial interruptions and restricted time format. Uh, but the brief, very brief Cliff Notes version is that at the age of three, I was uh, had an encounter with uh, what I called the Bone Lady, all capital letters. Uh, she would be a, I, I would say, a demigoddess, if you had to use one word in the English language to describe her. And she downloaded a lot of information to me. That was my initiation into shall we say, real reality and not the matrix reality. We are born into the matrix reality. There is some truth in the matrix movie, especially in the first, say, hour of the matrix movie. Um, but once you um, are caught up into the matrix, it can be quite hard to remove the blinders unless you get a little help. The bone lady gave me a little Are you there, Richard? Uh, did we lose Richard? I think we may have. We we've lost uh, Richard. Uh, we've lost Richard in Ecuador. He was just telling us about the Bone Lady, 
and I'd be curious to know whether she was extraterrestrial or interdimensional. Uh, in any event, we may uh, – well, if we can't get him back, we'll get uh, Dr. Douglas uh, Cottrell on here who is standing by uh, to discuss his upcoming event in March. Candidate is Edgar Casey, remote viewer, who will be joining us as well at uh, Follow Richard, the Truth. Do we have, oh, we have Richard back. Yes, you're back, Richard. Yes, we were cut off. We were rudely cut off when I began talking about the bone lady. All right. And I would add, remind your listeners that all of the internet, Skype, Yahoo, Google, Facebook, all of it is monitored, surveilled, and controlled by the alphabet soup agencies okay. of the United States government. All right. So we were cut off. All right. The, the, the bone, bone lady. lady. Is she extraterrestrial, interdimensional? The bone lady. Well, I'm, I'm telling you, the bone lady is beyond that. You see, the matrix, When once you be, begin to wrap your head around the matrix or poke it out of the matrix, you realize that a lot of our language is matrix-related and that even words such as terrestrial and extraterrestrial past a certain point are of limited utility hmm. because we have been so blinded. Our entire mental construct is a prison. All right. Um, and so just because we're very tight on time, and we'll have you back on uh, uh, and discuss further, but uh, what is the then the, the connection uh, with underground bases and, and UFOs I, I, because we, we have many many reports of, of UFOs seen flying uh, landing in the ocean uh, uh, we have the Shag Harbor incident of course in, in uh, the 1960s up here off the coast of Canada well we've lost him again Okay. Well, these intelligence agencies, I guess, who are monitoring Skype. I, t I tell you what, Tim. Um, why don't we just get uh, Dr. Cottrell uh, on, and um, can we? Okay. We'll we'll try once more. Uh, we're trying to reach Dr. Uh, Souter in Ecuador, who is joining us tonight by Skype, and. He seems to think that perhaps some of these uh, alphabet uh, intel agencies are playing havoc with the connection, given the sensitive nature of what we are discussing. I'll just remind you, Richard Sauter is uh, the author of Hidden in Plain Sight, Beyond the X-Files, and if you've been uh, sort of subtly or suitably uh, teased by what we've discussed in this short uh, time, you can go to the website, richardserrett.com, click on Richard's name, and that'll take you to his blog, which is eventhorizonchronicle.blogspot.com. Yes, I am here. Okay, Richard. Just uh, a few closing uh, remarks. Then, sorry for sorry for the uh, the trouble, Richard. Okay, so you, uh, UFOs and underground bases. Uh, what is the what is the connection? I mean, uh, is there one? I'm sorry, we have been cut off twice, and what I was saying is that this entire mental construct is a prison. This entire planet is operating under the most severe mental and spiritual interference you can imagine. And just when we began talking about that, we have been cut off twice. That's true. That's true. Um, and unfortunately, we're just about out of time. Can we, can we make this another date? Can we, uh, can we have you back yes, on? Yes, we can. We can have a series of conversations when I tell you if, you're going, if we're going into this, we will go very deeply, and that is intended. It's not a pun. 
<laughs> Indeed. All right. Well, listen, I appreciate uh, you joining us tonight from Ecuador. Again, the book is Hidden in Plain Sight, Beyond the X-Files. We'll have you on again, Richard, and uh, we'll, we'll do part two of this as we discuss uh, underground bases and the, uh, the connection to the UFO ET issue. I really appreciate your time tonight, Richard. Thank you, Richard. I All appreciate right. it. Be well. All right, Richard Sauter. Okay, uh, just uh, for a very quick little hit here, we're welcoming aboard uh, a, a big friend of the program, of course. He is uh, known as Candidate Edgar Casey, the man with X-ray eyes, and I'm very pleased he'll be joining us in Oshawa Sunday, April the 26th at Follow the Truth. And, of course, that is Dr. Douglas James Cottrell. Hello, Douglas. How are you? Oh, I'm fine tonight, Richard. Thank you. Lovely show tonight, as usual, and I'm looking forward to uh, being in Oshawa with you and being able to demonstrate the uh, quantum mind deep trance meditation method that uh, Edgar Casey, Ross Peterson, Paul Solomon, and I have um, uh, been of service to the world, so to speak. Uh, and it's going to be an exciting time, I think, in Oshawa. Oh, incredibly exciting. I mean, th- this is not something that you have done in Canada a lot, I'm guessing. I mean, uh, you're, I know that you're, you're called to, to speak uh, before people in, in, in Europe uh, quite a bit. But have you ever done anything like this on, live on a stage in, in North America before? Not in North America. In Poland, uh, in uh, Katowice, which I mispronounced the name, I always do, there were more than a 1,000 people on stage that I did this for. Um, I've done this in, in Spain as well, in uh, Madrid, Barcelona, and also in the south, uh, in um, a place called uh, Cordova. Okay, and when, uh, as well as Grucha. All right. So Sorry. when people when people arrive at uh, the Regent Theater on uh, April the twenty sixth, and the curtain goes up, they're going to see you in that iconic leather recliner chair, and you will be on stage, but in a deep meditative trance. Correct. Well, I think we're going to. I'm going to think we're going to walk on stage first, and it's going to take a couple minutes to show people how I get into that. Right. Okay. And this this is a phenomena that anybody who's uh, read anything about Edgar Casey and always wanted to know. Was there someone else that could do this, or how was this done? Can I have this? Uh, can I develop this ability? And is this really a true ability of being able to tap into the super subconscious mind or the quantum mind and reach out into the Akashic Records? We're going to do this on stage, live in front of the audience. And as usual, my friend, I'm going to trust my soul, put it in your hands, that I'm not just going to disappear, never come back to this body uh, when you ask me questions or uh, put me into this uh Right, because uh, there, there is some situation. risk to this. There, this is not, uh, yeah, what is the risk exactly? It's huge risk. Uh, Edgar Casey experienced uh, uh, a lot of pain, and so did my mentor, Ross Peterson, when people did things to them. Uh, poked him with pins when Edgar Casey was in trance, passed a piece of paper across his chest and, and severed the, the silver cord that sort of connected his soul that was out there in the universe at the time from his body, which was asleep in, uh, I think it was Virginia Beach. Uh, Ross Peterson was given suggestions to go into a body in which somebody had jaundice and was, uh, was very sick with, uh, uh, diabetes. And when he came out, they decided not to give him the canceling statements. And uh, when Ross came out, he turned yellow, and he almost went into a diabetic shock. So uh, when you reach out and you go into somebody else's mind or body, you pick up a little of the circumstances or situation or health issues. I've had pains in my arms. I've been dizzy. My uh, heart rate has been um, uh, fluctuating. I felt nauseous. 
uh, depending on where I was and in, in the early stages. As you get to do this, well, 42 years later now, uh, those uh, those situations don't quite develop. But my heart rate goes down. Uh, it looks like I'm not breathing. And people, when they watch me, bring your binoculars, have a look at it. This is a real deal. You're going to see somebody go into that altered state of consciousness that will be in this in the in the Hindu religion. It's called or these practices called Shamanti mind. You're going to see somebody actively go and touch uh, upon their soul mind, which will be in contact with just about everybody in the audience in some right. some way. And while you're in this deep meditative trance, I will be asking you questions. You know, the big questions. Uh, maybe it'll be something like, you know, who killed JFK? Uh, but you'll be tapped into the Akashic Record, and your soul mind will be providing the answers to these age-old. Uh, mysteries. Uh, well, so, and many times I've done that, and there's uh, lots of YouTube videos on me. There's lots of, uh, of uh, books. There's lots of uh, shows you and I have done where we've uh, we, we've answered questions like that. Right. And you know, many of the predictions I've made in my book, in the Renaissance, on your book, and some of the things I've said on your show, the prophecies have come true about Earth changes. Where does that information come from? It comes from the future. It's called clairvoyance. And we've done a lot on your show, and this is going to be an amazing time on stage when people are going to see this for their, for themselves. And I hope it inspires people to believe, to give evidence to themselves that they can develop this ability to perceive the future, tap into the Akashic Records, meditate, and, and make good decisions. And even yourself, Richard, i got to remind you, you know, we did an experiment on my show when you were doing some remote viewing, and you, we were pretty impressive when I had that object on my desk and you were describing it. That's just, so, yeah, the other night I did your, uh, I was on your radio program, and uh, I don't know if I would say now that I'm two for two in the remote viewing business, but uh, yeah, I was pleased with the result. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that at, uh, another time, but uh, just very quickly, okay, so that's Sunday. Next Next, uh, yeah, next Saturday I'm going to be in town to, uh, uh, to do a past life recall workshop for people who want to explore their own past, uh, and that'll be at the Holiday Inn in Toronto, and then go to my website, douglasjamescockroll.com, and for more information or call my office, 905-393-5104, again in the 905-393-5104. This is an all-day seminar where we're going to explore... Uh, is there life after life? Is there something in the pre-existence where we plan our life? Can okay. we benefit by knowing our karma uh, to overcome blocks and, and situations that may be holding us back from huge wealth and advancing ourselves forward uh, and to be successful and, and have accomplishments and find, most importantly, uh, the God within, you know, the power within. Is Give us the date again, God? Douglas. Give us the date again. It's going to be next Saturday, next Saturday, March the 7th, at the Holiday Inn, starts at 10.30, it's going to run to 5, or we'll run till they kick us out of the building. <laughs> All right. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be fantastic. It'll be something for everybody. And I'm inviting yourself and George, uh, uh, if you'd like to mosey on down and kind of, you know, wear the disguises and check us out, it's okay. <laughs> All right. So we have that to look forward to. And then also, of course, uh, you will be live on stage Sunday, April the 26th at Follow the Truth, followthetruth.tv. Thank you, Douglas. Look forward to seeing you. Look forward to being in Oshawa with you. It was an amazing time last time, and, and this time, it, with all the wonderful guests, it promises to be bigger and better. Looking forward to being there with you, my friend. All right, my friend. That's okay. it. Good night. Good night. Follow the truth. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home. Anyone else out there suffering from cabin fever? Wow. 
come on, spring. It can't come soon enough. I know I'm Canadian and I'm supposed to embrace the winter. And I try, believe me. But it's hard to embrace minus 30 week after week after week. Although this weekend was a little warmer. Uh, but I cannot wait uh, for, uh, for spring. Now, as much as I've had it with the snow and the ice, I'm thinking Iceland is a place I'd like to visit, maybe in the spring. Iceland has really got it right, I think. They had this peaceful revolution a couple of years back. Uh, but you wouldn't know it because there was a virtual media blackout in North America. And after their, their big banks failed uh, due to corporate malfeasance, the government du jour in Iceland expected the taxpayers to bail out the banks. Does that sound familiar, the way they did it in the United States and Cyprus and just about everywhere else that has uh, too big to fail banks? But the citizens of Iceland said, hell no, you're not going to pull a bail in and make us bail out the banks. So the citizens threw out the government. They formed a, a citizens' coalition. They rewrote the Constitution, and they allowed the banks to fail. And lo and behold, Iceland survived, which really exposed the big lie, right, that if the too-big-to-fail banks are allowed to go under, they'll take the economy with it. Well, it didn't happen in Iceland. And maybe that's why the media in North America didn't want to discuss the Icelandic miracle. And now... The Supreme Court just recently in Iceland has handed down the heaviest jail sentences for financial fraud in Iceland's history. They're sending the, uh, the former heads of the failed bank, Kaupting, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, that's the name of the bank, they're sending them to jail. And so now we have these well-heeled Tony bankers made to do the perp war. We'll never see that here. You can uh, read all about it. It's one of the featured stories in our slide carousel at richardserrett.com. Check it out, and uh, maybe we can all learn a few things from Iceland. Imagine corrupt bankers actually going to jail. It's enough to melt those winter blues, isn't it? Hey, uh, just a reminder, tickets are now on sale for Follow the Truth 2, my very special live event returning to the Regent Theatre in Oshawa, Sunday, April the 26th. Uh, Dr. John Hall will be flying in for an exclusive presentation and meet and greet Dr. Hall, of course, world-renowned authority on electronic harassment, organized stalking, paranormal investigator Rosemary Ellen Guiley will be there, uh, Canada's Edgar Casey, remote viewer Dr. Douglas Cottrell, likewise, uh, unpacking the Zapruder film, The Lost and Found Tribes of Israel, UFO, UFOs, Gods and Angels, uh, plus a few surprises. For more information, visit followthetruth.tv, followthetruth.tv, and uh, please help me keep this important live event series uh, going. Order your tickets this week by calling the box office at 905-721-3399. 905-721-3399. Follow the truth.tv. And again, the box office, 905-721-3399. And uh, I'm, I'm putting these Follow the Truth conferences together because I feel so strongly uh, that it's time to tear back the curtain shine a light backstage, explore alternative realities, and really to explore subject matter that the mainstream media simply refuses to acknowledge. And my next guest is really on that same mission. If you haven't yet um, subscribed to the World Affairs Brief, you really ought to think about it seriously uh, because Joel Skousen uh, is able to connect so many dots and, and, and helps to expose the, the secret machinations of world leaders. He is, as I say the publisher of the World Affairs Brief. It's a, a weekly news analysis service. And uh, Mr. Skousen is also a, a political scientist by training. He speaks uh, multiple foreign languages. 
which he uses uh, to access information here and abroad. He specializes in helping readers understand the hidden agenda of those that secretly control both political parties and the U.S. government. He's also had a second career as the chief designer at the Secure Home Design Group, which specializes in helping people design and implement high-security residences and retreats. He's written several books in that field of security. And uh, to top it off, off, to top it all off, Joel was a fighter pilot for the Marine Corps during the Vietnam era. A great pleasure, as always, to welcome Joel Skousen to The Conspiracy Show. Joel, how are you? I'm just fine, Richard. Good to uh, talk to you, uh, despite the bad news that we continually confront ourselves in the world and the economy. Well, uh, forewarned, I guess, is forearmed, and, and that's the first step, is if people wake up to really what's going on, then they can sort of conduct themselves accordingly. Um, now, I, I know that this story didn't make it into this week's uh, brief because it's sort of breaking news, but um, the, uh, the assassination of Russian uh, political opponent Boris Nemtsov in Moscow, um, former uh, assistant Treasury Secretary, Secretary of the Treasury under Ronald Reagan, Paul Craig Roberts, believes that Nemtsov may have been taken out by the CIA in order to, uh, to further demonize Vladimir Putin. What are your thoughts? Well, it's unfortunate that uh, Paul Craig Roberts, uh, who's legitimately an anti-globalist, um, tends to view anyone who has the power to stick it to the globalist as the hero, and so he's picked Boris or Vladimir Putin as as the hero. So he's taken pro-Russian uh, defensive positions now for at least a year, and I think he's wrong here. Um, this is a complicated case, but uh, Putin is no hero, and uh, it would be very difficult for the CIA to run an operation like this in Russia. I mean, it's one thing for the CIA to operate with almost impunity in other countries in the world, but not when they're up against the KGB. Um, I mean, Russia is arresting double agents all the time. They're very, very good at hunting down these things. So I would find that very difficult. That said, here's why this isn't clear. Boris Nemtsov was a protege of Boris Yeltsin, so he came through the phony fall of the Soviet Union and never, of course, uh, he kept that secret even during his political career. Uh, anybody who's a, in the real opposition understands that the Communist Party simply went underground, still controls what's going on, uh, along with the KGB, which is you know, the new FSB, <laughs> its replacement. But anybody who comes out of this fall of the Soviet Union period as a political leader, as was Yemtsov, as was you know, Putin following along to Yeltsin, all of these were puppets. Now, there has been a kind of revolution in the sense that the original oligarchs who, who crafted this show and made themselves wealthy, Guzinski, Berezovsky, Khodorkovsky, and others, have been purged. And Putin appears to be behind the purge. He's now become the new oligarch in Russia. He is the wealthiest man in the world now, Richard Syrett. Is that right? That's right. He uh, took control over a company that, through insider dealings, basically takes a cut of every major financial and export-import transaction that goes on in Russia, estimated now to be worth $400 billion. Wow richest man in the world. So corruption is live and well in there. But you've got to remember in Russia, there is real opposition, which is tiny, and phony opposition, which is large, and both of them are controlled by powers that be. So to me, uh, Nemtsov coming from as a 
Boris Yeltsin protege. Uh, you know, you, we really can't tell if he's real opposition or not. Uh, it could have been, in fact, uh, you know, people as part of this purge mentality that went on uh, of the other oligarchs who would assassinate him to make Putin look bad. But I don't think it was the CIA. I think this is internal fighting uh, for control within Russia. Uh, Putin does have enemies. He, as I say, had did a purge. He had Boris uh, Berezovsky killed in London. He had Brzezinski exiled. Oh, Litvinenko, uh, wasn't it? Litvinenko? Right, right. Right. So, you see, this is uh, a work in, in progress here as the Soviet Union now comes out. Remember, the Putin is in charge of resurrecting Soviet strength and power, and he's extremely popular, except with the true opposition. They realize there's no liberty in Russia. It's all feigned. Uh, Putin rules with an iron hand and showing a lot of you know, pro-Western, or at least not pro-Western, but uh, you know, standing up to the West with both encourages anti-globalists here in the West to think he's the hero. He is not. He's a predator just like the Anglo-American globalists, just like the Chinese. He will join forces and is already doing so with China to prepare to attack the West someday. But but don't but, you, uh, having said that, and, um, uh, Joel, don't you think that his actions in the Crimea are understandable given that the West just seems so hell-bent on poking the bear and after the, the wall fell down, assurances were supposedly made to Gorbachev that NATO would not encroach, uh, but they've been doing that. They've been very aggressive about encroaching, and I have no doubt that their end, end game is to, they would love to put nukes in, in Ukraine. Now, if I'm... Not at all. Not at all. You don't believe that? Okay. No, you've got to remember that the West knew that there was a falsified fall of the Soviet Union. They've been playing along with Russia. I mean, if I could map out the phony parts of the Soviet Union, uh, the phony parts of the fall, the, the KGB supposedly tried to take off Gorbachev in his undefended villa and failed. Now, how believable is that? Yeltsin broadcasting on a tank in Moscow Square when, in fact, the Communist Party still controlled the television station and they didn't pull the plug. How believable is that? I mean, there's all kinds of things about how the... Central Committee made themselves wealthy and became the new oligarchs. All of this was a fraud. The West did nothing to expose it. They, in fact, bent over backwards to cover for the phony fall. They knew that, and the media in the West failed to publish it. Eric Honecker on his deathbed in Chile said, Moscow gave me orders to let the riots at Leipzig go forward. Okay, we've got to take a, a break here, uh, Joel. We'll come back and we can finish up talking about that. I'd like to talk about okay. the uh, the recent sentencing of uh, uh, some corrupt bankers in Iceland and, uh, and move on to uh, many other matters uh, covered in World Affairs Brief. The publisher and editor, Joel Skousen, my guest, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. We are back with Joel Skousen, editor, publisher, World Affairs Brief. Joel, before we continue our discussion on uh, recent happenings in Russia and the assassination of uh, Nemtsov, Boris Nemtsov, uh, let's uh, find out how can we subscribe to World Affairs Brief. Uh, World Affairs Brief does have a modest subscription price to support my work. People can get a free sample issue by emailing me at editor at worldaffairsbrief.com. And they can go to the website, worldaffairsbrief.com, and read a synopsis of the latest brief, uh, as well as click on the subscribe button if they want to go through the subscribe process. But I do encourage people to get a free sample copy. Excellent. Now, uh, just a final point on, uh, on uh, Putin. And 
uh, you you certainly you know feel strongly that he is the villain here. Uh, now, if this is in fact the case that the Communist Party has simply you know rebranded itself and nothing really has changed, the Cold War is still on. Why doesn't the United States make that case? Because they are getting a lot of flack, even from their European allies, who are, you know, Germany and, and, and others are not real happy about these economic sanctions because it's impacting, you know, their bottom line as well. Russia, uh, the, the EU is Russia's largest trade partner. Why don't they make the case and say to people, listen, the communists are still in power. You know, we, we have to be aggressive, aggressive with Russia. He is not the good guy. Well, it's because the globalists want Russia to be built up as a, a new enemy. They want Russia to attack the West someday. This is a complicated process that people raise their eyebrows about. But it's the only thing to explain why the U.S. continues, despite the token sanctions, and remember they're token sanctions, to continue to buy oil from Russia. The U.S. continues to buy rocket engines from Russia. They continue to allow economic and trade uh, to go forward with Russia, especially sensitive military technology, and the same with China. In other words, they're still building the best enemy money can buy because they want this war. So they will provoke in minor ways. But remember, they didn't even blow the whistle on the phony coup in U Ukraine. The whole world thinks this was a pro-Western coup. But as I pointed out numerous times on the World First Brief, and I think even on your show before, is that only the pro-Russian side in Ukraine under Yanukovych could have ordered the Barracudas, the riot police, to stay in their bar barracks and let the opposition win on Friday a year ago. Right. And only the pro-Russian side could have ordered the party of regions, the majority party of the party, to oust their own leader, Yanukovych. I mean, the opposition didn't have any power to do that. So this was a coup made to look like a, front, a Western coup, so that the West could get all the blame for what's happening. And the West continues to cover for that. They don't. They continue to throw out propaganda. They continue to intervene in minor ways. Uh, but no nuclear weapons are going into Ukraine because the West does not want to confront. They don't want Putin to lose in Ukraine. They know that Putin intends to win back all of the or most of the former Soviet states. And, he's, and he prepped that area, or, or the Soviets prepped it, by moving in millions of Russians into eastern Ukraine before the phony fall, millions of Russians into Georgia, millions of Russians into Belarus, millions of Russians into the Baltics, so that they could have an excuse, just like in eastern Ukraine, to stir up trouble and come in with the stealth invasion. And so the Baltics are next. But Putin is no hero. He is not going to stand up to the new one. He's going to attack the West, but it won't be for liberty. And it won't be to rid us of globalism. And the globalists want that same attack because they're going to use it to drum us into a militarized new world order, and Russia will be taken down in the next world war. So it sounds like what you're saying is that the globalists need Putin. They need him. Well, sure. They yeah. need him to resurface and rejuvenate and create the new Russian strong uh, uh, military. And he's doing it. He's rebuilding the military forces the nuclear forces, the uh, even new aircraft carriers, new ballistic missiles, I mean, and we're disarming. Most Americans don't realize we just took, under Barack Obama, all three multiple warheads off our Minuteman three missiles and turned them into single warhead missiles. That's a 66% reduction in nuclear throw weight, unilateral disarmament. Uh, one, one last thing I want to ask you about, uh, uh, Joel, and then we'll, we'll get on to Iceland. Uh, true or false? I read, hey, it may have even been in World Affairs Brief, I'm guessing it might have been, but during the Reagan era, 
when the the Soviets were really a, a complete basket case, but this is you know sometime before the fall of the Berlin Wall, maybe ten years, uh, and the, it it could have probably collapsed earlier, except. There were secret loans made to the Soviet Union. We're talking, you know, I don't know, in the order of maybe hundreds of billions of dollars in order to keep the Soviets afloat a little while longer. It would be akin to, uh, let's say, you know, a prize fighter uh, just beating his opponent but but needing the fight to go 15 rounds so he's basically holding up this punch-drunk fighter. Is, is that what happened? Is that true? Well, only partially true. Yes, there were loans uh, through other third parties uh, to Russia, uh, secret loans backed by the faith and credit of the United States, other uh, economic uh, uh, deals that were given to Russia. Uh, but it wasn't that Russia ever was going to collapse. Uh, no nation ever collapsed economically. The economic collapse of Russia, they went to the survival level where they were on bread lines and other things. That had been going on for 10 years. They were still a powerful military force. And to this day, there's still a powerful military force. This is a, uh, a fraud, the concept of, that nations collapse economically. Even the United States didn't collapse in the Depression with 25% unemployment. It wasn't anywhere near a collapse. 75% were still working. So only through war, only in the end of World War II, did Germany collapse economically because nobody was working. They were all fleeing from the Russians. And they were bombed out. That's the only way that nations collapse, is through war. And that's where we're headed, eventually. All right. Let's talk very briefly about uh, uh, the Iceland Supreme Court handing down some stiff penalties to these, uh, the, the, the leaders of these, this failed bank in Iceland. And it kind of, you know, um, an interesting uh, dichotomy between what happened in Iceland uh, in 2000, 2007, 2008, and let's say the United States or other places where banks were on the precipice of failing, like Cyprus. In Iceland, the government said, we can't allow this bank to fail. The citizens have to bail it out. They said no. They threw the government out. I mean, it was a, it was a peaceful revolution. They rewrote their constitution. Uh, they allowed their banks to fail. Why don't we hear about what's going on in Iceland? Well, obviously, it's an unpopular model, but there's more to it than just the so-called good people versus bad. Remember that Iceland is a socialist country. It was way in over its head with debt and still is. It still cannot balance its budget. So even though it's gotten rid of the debt by defaulting on the debt, you've got to remember that the bankers are really playing their role in bed with government of getting loans that were going for development projects on behalf of the government for the people. And so essentially the people walked away stealing all that loan money from Europe and, and uh, wherever they got it from England. Most of those loans uh, came from and some from Norway as well. And the bankers were the middlemen. Now there was fraud. There always is you know, fiat money system. But what I'm saying is this is Iceland has not gone back to a solvent state. They're a socialist country. They will not be able to maintain themselves, and eventually they'll be in the same pickle as before because the people, just like in Greece, will not tolerate lack of government benefits. And so this is only a short-term solution. While I'm in agreement, the nation doesn't fail when you stiff the big bankers. They need to go down. They need to go to jail. So our big bankers here who pulled off this uh, evil bailout system, this TARP system, and the bailing out of AIG and all of these people with the credit default swaps. This is totally illegal, you know, types of financial operations. But remember, the end beneficiaries is the socialist system, both in America 
and in Iceland that is being fed by these loans, and, and people love it. But it won't, as I say, the economy won't go down. The bankers will uh, go into demise. But this is not a win-win for the people as it appears, because there isn't fundamental reform of the socialist indebtedness system of Iceland. Uh, Joel Skousen is with us, publisher, editor of World Affairs Brief, and uh, you alluded to Greece, and that certainly, uh, uh, you know, is, remains a huge story, uh, where it looks like uh, Syriza, the Syriza party, very left of center, has its roots in the, uh, uh, the Communist Party in, in Greece, um, went to, uh, to Germany swearing, you know, they were basically elected uh, as an anti-austerity party, and after a, about a 50-minute phone call with Angela Merkel and the finance minister in Germany, uh, Syriza retreated uh, and got a, a four-month ex- extension on their, uh, their, their bailout program. Uh, is 2015 going to be the year of the Grexit, Greek, the Greece, uh, Greece either being kicked out or leaving the EU? Well, I have long predicted in the World of First Brief that Greece will not exit the EU and won't be kicked out because this is the EU is the crown jewel of regional globalism right now, the largest globalist government in formation that there is. Uh, and there is an increasing hostility towards the EU uh, versus sovereignty issue. Anti-EU parties are winning elections all through Europe. Nevertheless, these people, the globalists, are very, very powerful. They have their fingers in every country, and they will not take no for an answer. And I was right. They did sacrifice uh, and compromise with Greece in two major ways. One, first of all, they gave an extension. Greece wanted six months. They gave them four. But even and with the proviso the Greek pay some of the money it owns to the IMF, it already is defaulting on it. Does not, it says it does not have the money. It was allowed to come up with its own austerity measures, and so what they did basically was take away anything that would be painful to the to the Greek people. Um, massive uh, cut off of uh, the old bloated bureaucracy in Greece, which employs indirectly, you know, over thirty percent of Greek people. They were the austerity program before was going to make sure that they cut down the federal bureaucracy in Greece. So he he backed out of that so that he only said that they would uh, collect more taxes from the wealthy. Uh, They would still sell off a few state industries. Uh, None of that would provide that nobody got fired. In other words, they picked two or three things that wouldn't require that the pain go to the people. The people have no tolerance for pain. It's a very highly indebted socialist country. And the people have simply voted for their benefits. And there's no way to keep paying them. Now, the problem is... They kicked the can down the road, Richard, but there's no way that Greece is going to get solvent again within four months. They want a no. repudiation of the debt, and I think that's what's coming next. Well, what should they do? They're because keep... because the, 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 they're calling them the, uh, the, the German wise men, these financial uh, heavyweights in Germany, that are telling uh, Brussels, we don't need Greece anymore. We panicked back in 2010, uh, but n- let's cut them loose. We don't need gr- Greece in the EU any longer. Well, first of all, it means... They'll take a loss on everything. That would be a repudiation of debt. Debt goes its uh, Greece goes its own way, has its own currency. They'll be bankrupt again within another two years if they print their own currency. But the EU will absorb all of those losses. And, you know, it's kind of like, is another 10% bailout better than losing, you know, the 90%? That's what, and they've just given another tranche. 
and they're going to give another one in four months if they're not careful. The deeper they get in debt, the more the power to convince the German bankers to stay on, because and it's a losing proposition. I, but the, the big thing, this is a matter of globalism. This is a matter of if Greece leaves, Spain and Italy could be next, so could Portugal. Portugal, and if those three leave the whole bottom tier, bottom tier, then they've got a real problem in the EU, and the British will probably pull out as well. So that's what they're fighting against. I think they'll do anything to stop this domino effect from starting. Now, it's possible that Greece could leave. They're not that big a percentage of the EU economy. No. But I can guarantee you they're not going to let Italy leave or Spain. No, they have an industrial Portugal. base there, for sure. That's right. That's yes. right. Greece, so Greece has the sun and the... globalism, not just money. And I keep predicting, and I keep being right, that they keep compromising. The EU compromised significantly for this bailout. But they only kick the can down the road, and frankly, Greece can't comply with the bailout conditions. All right. We will uh, take another time out, return with Joel Skousen, and uh, look at some other big stories this week in World Affairs Brief, including a secret detention center being run by the police in Chicago. Very harrowing information. Coming your way on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. We are back with Joel Scows. And Joel, once again, tell us how we can subscribe to World Affairs Brief. World Affairs Brief is at my website, worldaffairsbrief.com. Click on the big red subscribe button. But before you do, I encourage people to email me at editor at worldaffairsbrief.com and ask for a copy of the current brief, and I'll be happy to send it to you. All right. This is, uh, quite frankly, uh, a scary story, and it's about this detention center. Where I, I believe it's in the west end of Chicago. Tell me about that. Well, it turns out that Chicago has, for several years now, been operating a secret black site. The Guardian broke this story, sent reporters up there, guys gave him the stone wall, nobody's allowed to even stand in front of it, you know, threatened the reporters with it. They're acting just like the federal government, torturing people, indefinite detention, um, you know, muscling people, not telling, not letting them, uh, you know, call a lawyer, just a violation of their rights. And um, what's interesting is that even the... Um, the various lobbies, which are very strong in Chicago, trying to uncover corruption, didn't even know about this. I mean, people, this has been going on for at least 10 years. They even hired one of the major detectives out of this torture site and sent him to Guantanamo. The federal government's hired him away in order to, you know, brief the people down there on how to do effective detention. Now, Joel, you're, so, you, like me, you're... you're um pretty conservative, right of center. I mean, do you believe The Guardian? Let's face it, they are a left, more of a left-wing leaning uh, a newspaper. Do you believe The Guardian? Do, 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 oh, do you yeah. think they have the when story right? The, they've talked to the victims of it. They've talked to people who've been there. I mean, this is not just uh, their supposition. Believe me, The Guardian has the goods on them. And sometimes, you know, even though I'm far right of center, center and uh, you know, a constitutionalist here in America, we sometimes rely on the left to get into key reporting things because the media won't let anyone on the right in to see these things. But the left has a free pass within the media. They can get into places uh, you know, that we can't go. And so we often learn things from the far left. Uh, and that means that within the far left, even though they're socialists, there is a principled left, meaning people who legitimately, ignorantly, I might say, don't understand the victimization of who is hurt by their benevolence and socialism. But these people are benevolent. They do really want 
the government to assist people. They just don't understand the victims that are created by government handouts. Social. I'm not just talking about the people who receive them. I'm talking about the people whose income is lost by regulation. And right. Okay, so The Guardian has the story right. But the, why Chicago? Why, why are they doing this? Well, remember, Chicago is one of the three most corrupt cities in the United States, have always been controlled for many years by not only major um, underworld figures, but also big government. New York, Chicago, L.A., those are the three big that are the most corrupt, and they can't stay that corrupt without having a free pass from the Department of Justice. And it works both ways. I mean, that's how Emmanuel... Emmanuel um, you know, got in to be the mayor after leaving Barack Obama. That's how Barack Obama started in the corrupt city of Chicago. And it's not just mafia-style corruption. It's federal uh, corruption in league with the city covering up. Because, you see, the federal government has a seamless relationship with the mafia to do assassinations and other dirty work that they don't want to get caught doing. And in exchange, they make sure that there's only limited prosecutions from people at the periphery in the mafia. It's just like everything the Fed does. It both trades in drugs and prosecutes drugs. It trades in terrorism and prosecutes terrorism. It trades with the mafia and gives them free passes and prosecutes a few minor mafia people. If, if, this, is going on in, government. if this is going on in Chicago, uh, and they've uncovered one, is it possible where there's one, there's more? Absolutely. I am sure they have black sites now and uh, have for several years in L.A. and in New York, uh, and possibly in Philadelphia, another very, very corrupt city. There's a tremendous amount of corruption in police forces. It's not just the militarization of police. My files are just chock full of police abuse. And it's systematic now within these major urban areas. And it's not just against, uh, you know, racial minorities. It's against anyone, who, especially who, who denies uh, the power of the system and who comes up against the system. All right, we'll uh, take another time out. Joel Skousen is with us, publisher, editor of World Affairs Brief. When we come back, we'll talk about how to get hired by the dark side and something we've talked about recently here on the, on the program, the cholesterol fraud. We'll file that one in the suspicions confirmed drawer. Back with more here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. We are back with Joel Skousen, World Affairs Brief, editor and publisher. Uh, this is an interesting story, but it's just kind of a tease. Uh, it seems to be just kind of an anecdotal story, but uh, something, a conversation overheard at sort of at a party uh, about, it's, it's a title, How to Get Hired by the Dark Side. These are uh, people that are being recruited uh, by the CIA, uh, but this is not just sort of the normal branch of the CIA. Tell us more, Joel. Well, in every portion of federal law enforcement, whether it's DEA, FBI, CIA, there's a dark side and a white side. There's a white side that does the legal work of the CIA, the FBI and the DEA, and then you get hired into the dark side to do the illegal. The DEA, for example, protects drug runners that are aligned with the CIA drug uh, cartels, like the Sinaloa cartel in Mexico. It's aligned with the DOJ, DOJ who ran that fast and furious thing about letting 3,000 weapons escape to the cartels, including automatic weapons, and no one was ever part of That was the dark side. And I've got a lot more stories other than these anecdotal ones, but for my readers who I've told about the dark side of these things, this was particularly insightful. It was, comes from Dave Martin, who runs by the moniker D.C. Dave from Washington, D.C. 
He said, a late uncle of mine who flew a spotter plane for the Air Force during the height of the Vietnam War once told me that during his stint there, one of our intelligence services tried to recruit him. Now, this is very typical. I might interject here. Everything that I've studied, whether you go into Rodney Stitch's book, Defrauding America, right. the best compilations of all of the people who have been lured into the dark side, they used to mostly come from the military services. You have CIA crawling all through there looking for people who they can bring into the dark side to do illegal actions. And there was a lot of illegal action going on in Vietnam. And so he said, he declined the offer, he told me, but only after he'd gone so far as to take a required psychological evaluation. The experience, he told me, appalled him. I could tell from the questions he said that they were looking for someone who was immoral. Many years later, I told the story to a small group of party in Washington, D.C., and among the group was a young man who's whose friend strongly suspected being in the CIA. Unable to restrain himself, he blurted out, I took that test, and proving that he was, or at least he had been recruited to the CIA. Now, I have personal experience with friends my age. As I was going into the Marine Corps as a young man in my late 20s, they were going into the CIA and the FBI, and the guys that went into the CIA said they got assigned to go over to Europe, and on their first assignment over there, they had prostitutes show up at the door. They had individual rooms, prostitutes show up at the door saying, I'm here to serve your needs. And I said, no, no. And these were Mormons, by the way, you know, very strict right, right. moral habits. And uh, he said, no, no, I rejected it. I said, no, no, I'm, I don't buy into this. And I said, no, no, it's paid for. The company, meaning the CIA, is paying for it. And he said, you know, Everybody who accepted those services, you know, they were laughing about it in the morning at breakfast and everything. And, you know, he, they all seemed to know that he didn't accept. They got ahead in their careers. Most of them went over into the dark side, he said, and I, my career never went anywhere. Hmm. And so there's many, many indications that there are these dark side operations. That's part of the vetting process. They want illicit people who they have dirt on, and they film those encounters so that they can hold them hostage to them later on. It's why they didn't want Mitt Romney, even though he was bending over backwards to please the neocon establishment. It's just they didn't have dirt on him. You can't afford to person have, a, have a person in the White House that you don't control. Incorruptible. With, with right. blackmail. Yeah, they, uh, they, that was uh, one of the things I heard about Romney is that they were very afraid because he was an outsider. They didn't want another Reagan. Then they'd have to have, they'd have right. to foist a vice president on him like a, a bush to keep an eye on him. Exactly. So if you're corruptible, uh, that means they also know that they've got you know you have the goods on them. They're not going to turn into a whistleblower. Yes, exactly. And I my sources in Washington tell me they've got dirt on at least 75 to 80 percent of Congress. And they start when they're in state legislatures. They start when they're in city positions. You know, this NSA spying is about getting dirt on people to a large extent. And the larger purpose of NSA spying, of course, is to get information on who are dissidents track them so that we can take them down someday. Well, let me play a little bit of a devil's advocate here on this sort of the dark, this dark side of the CIA. And, and that is, it's, an, it's, a, you know, it's a dirty place out there. It's a, it's a jungle out there. Sometimes you need thugs uh, to do your dirty work. Isn't, it, isn't that you know, a, a possible... Am I rationalizing? Or, I mean, don't we need people that are willing to get down and dirty because that's who we're up against? Yes, it's true. There are needs for infiltrators to go in and infiltrate, and they're going to have to smoke and drink and carry on and other types of things. Uh, but and murder. What I'm, and murder. Right. 
well, it's debatable whether or not you have to go that far in order to infiltrate. Um, and, you know, our government, this is a lot to Hollywood, the impression that you're dealing with, you know, about the need to do those things. And it's a very complex subject. But I can tell you, when you need that, you can use that, and they normally do when you get somebody who's broken parole and is already corrupt, and you say, look, we have a job to do, and we'd like you to go in as a double agent. But to go in and induce and corrupt people specifically and look for corrupt people, and this isn't just to do these types of things. What I'm talking about, these people are being recruited to do illegal acts they don't want criminals for. They want good, sound people with good, sound habits who are corruptible, who will look the other way about illegal acts of government. And they probably outnumber the criminal informant types, the criminal agent provocateurs, by 10 to 1 in the government. That's how many more there are of that. And, you know, you can't trust uh, really decrepit, uh, alcoholic, uh, criminal-type people to be in these higher-level CIA operations. You need clear-headed people, but who are challenged morally. And that's what the CIA was looking for. Psychopaths? No, no? not psychopaths. No, just immoral, amoral people um, who have their limits. To certain. I mean, look at every high-ranking milita military officer in the United States. is a yes-man and has had to compromise his principles to get to the general officer qualification. But even they have their limits. I mean, when Generals Ham and, and Admiral Goyette got faced with this Benghazi stand-down, they refused. And they got relieved of command, but they were still yes-man enough to go to their retirement and refuse to admit that there had been a stand-down. One of the things I love about World Affairs Brief is you cover so much ground. It's not all about political subterfuge. Uh, the great story here about the cholesterol myth, and uh, I... oh maybe a month or two ago, I had an uh, occasion to interview a Danish uh, doctor of internal medicine, retired, uh, Ufi Ravenskov, uh, who has been very outspoken about the cholesterol myth. And now this is actually starting to, this is one of those success stories where it's actually starting to filter into the, the mainstream media. They're, they're starting to latch onto this story. We've been sold a bill of goods about cholesterol for the last 50 years, haven't we, Joel? Absolutely. It's absolutely fraudulent. It started with the Framington Heart Study, the one that had been touted for years proving this, and there was no proof. They manipulated the data. They threw out all the good data in order to prove this. I mean, and it turned out to be that the, you know, the agricultural uh, sector was in this, trying to figure out a way to use trans fats and these other things. And uh, I mean, it, was a, it was a conspiracy between the medical establishment and the agricultural sector to force margarine. Look how many years that's been with us. And, uh, you know, all this phony types of oil. Well, now, you know, the medical establishment will never admit to this fraudulent data that was produced, this bogus relationship. But they're clearly trying to ease their way out of it without admitting guilt. And so now, as the New York Times reported, the nutrition advisory panel that shapes U.S. dietary advice eased, not rejected, but eased some of the previous restrictions on fat and cholesterol, while at the same time recommending Americans lower their consumption of sugar. Well, that's safe, of course. But they haven't, and this is very, they haven't stopped pushing statin drugs. Exactly. One in three... lowering drugs. One in three adults, I've read by some estimates, one in three adults in North America are now on Lipidor or some sort of statin drug. One in three. 
And these have tremendous liver-damaging side effects. They're very, very dangerous and all for nothing. But this shows how the pressure of the truth is finally making him ease out, but without admitting guilt and without stopping the pushing of these drugs. I mean, the cholesterol-lowering drugs, Lipitor, and others, some of the largest-selling drugs in the world, and I don't think they've got the courage to, to ever admit they're wrong. And, and the other tra- the other tragedy is uh, because everyone was told, okay, you know, swear off um, um, f- animal fat, uh, swear off butter, swear off red meat, start eating more carbs. That's what caused because carbs are, are converted into sugar, which is converted into fat. That's what causes mm-hmm. caused the obesity epidemic. That's right, and it's still with us. It's still with us. Uh, they've got to get back. I mean, you've got to eat more. It's the saturated fats. They're wonderful for the body, especially from organic sources. The egg is I mean, the perfect fat food. Train the body how to burn fat. Yes. Burn fat, burning fat is much more economical for the body to do than burning carbohydrates and converting and storing it to sugar. And when you get used to the fat cycle of burning fat, using fat, fats melt away given that the thyroid is okay. And that's one of the problems too. We've got low thyroid throughout Canada and the United States. 60% of Americans are low thyroid, and low thyroid leads to cholesterol deposition in arteries, not because of eating cholesterol, but because of low thyroid, and it's produced by the body, even if you don't eat it. Well, that's one of the things I, I learned, is that the, that the body is self-regulating. Your cholesterol, your body produces more cholesterol than you can possibly take in. That's uh, right. Dietary-wise, and, and if you eat more cholesterol, your body will produce less. If you eat less, your body will produce more. And it's and not it balances, it balances the types, the low and the high. So it's it's very, very self regulating but it takes the thyroid to do that. And now with our depleted soils, low iodine level, we've got chronic hypothyroidism in the United States, and that also leads to obesity because the thyroid con- uh, controls your metabolism. Lower metabolism, people feel cold now, they're not producing enough heat, they're not burning uh, you know, uh, energy and producing heat. So that's why you have all these big, burly football players that turn to fat, obese lumps in their middle age, and their their thyroids are are gone. Well, I understand why they're really circling the wagons on this this, cholesterol issue, because if we find out, okay, so they they lied to us about that, what's next? We're going to start talking about fluoride, and we're going to start talking about vaccinations. Oh, boy, and they're really circling the wagons about vaccinations and even hyping this measles thing in order to get... Uh, justify eventual mandatory vaccination. I mean, that's the wrong issue to fix. I mean, it isn't even deadly to try to turn it into a deadly threat to mandate vaccines. It's been proven by various studies that, in fact, that the measles vaccine, the, the literature in the vaccine will say it can cause measles and it doesn't protect you. Right. And it was on the wane in North America long before the vaccinations came, came along. Right. Same with polio. We know that that's the answer right. to polio is good sanitation. All right, Joel, always a pleasure. Thank you once again. World Affairs Brief. Good talking to you, Joel. My pleasure, Rich. Good to talk to you. All right. Bye-bye. All right, that's it for me. My thanks to Tim Spreen, Albert Vinzel, back next week with a brand new show. Hope you'll be along for that. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.